Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm very pleased to have Joanne Lara as my guest today. Joanne Lara, MA, is the founder of the nonprofit organization Autism Movement Therapy. This organization provides classes and lectures and also certifies, trains, and licenses dancers, educators, parents, and professional service providers across the United States, Canada, India, Malaysia, South America, the UK, Italy, Wales, China, Bangladesh, and Kuwait in the beneficial role that movement and music can play in the speech and language, behavioral, and cognitive domains of individuals on the autism spectrum. Joanne earned her master's in special education from California State University in Northridge and also holds a graduate certificate in applied behavior analysis. She taught in the Los Angeles Unified School District for over 10 years, where she worked exclusively with students with autism and has been a core adjunct professor at National University in Los Angeles for the past 12 years, where she helped design their autism certificate. Joanne is a producer, columnist, advocate, and author. And in addition to being executive director of Autism Works Now, Joanne founded Glorious Pies, a work program operated by and for young adults on the autism spectrum. She has appeared on over 50 news and radio outlets across the U.S. and the U.K., including NPR in Washington, D.C., Welcome, Joanne, and thank you so much for joining me to discuss the wonderful resources you've created and advocacy you provide for those with special needs. Thank you so much for having me, Gilda. It's fantastic. Fantastic show. I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much, Joanne. So to get started, tell me, why is there a 90% unemployment rate in autism? You know, we're all scratching our heads and asking, but... I feel personally that we are not preparing our individuals with autism when they graduate at either 18 or 22 years of age to go into the workforce. They don't have a skill set. If they're lucky enough to live in Los Angeles where we have six uh, transition uh, schools for 18 to 22-year-olds, then they do get to learn bakery and car detailing and graphic design and working in a cafeteria and, you know, those kinds of skill sets that are really great for our kids, horticulture. But if not, then we're basically graduating these individuals at 18 or 22, if they stay in, with no skill set. And then we're asking businesses to employ them. I mean, literally, most of these individuals don't even have an email, Gilda. Mm, Well... What are some of the other things that we can do to change those statistics? Well, I, you know, I'm a big advocate for bringing back vocational centers uh, or vocational schools in middle and high school. So, in other words, we used to have those. If it, if you're old enough to remember that we had vocational schools um, across the country, they were founded in 1912, actually, and as a result of men and women who were, were, were actually not going into the workforce after they graduated from high school, but were going to university. And the government was, federal government was afraid that we wouldn't have blue-collar workers. So they started, as part of the EdGov uh, piece of public education, 
vocational schools across the country, but they went out with Bush. Uh, when Bush came into office, as you remember, his wife was an educator, and one of the the first things that they did was on the agenda was to pass the No Child Left Behind Act, which which was good on on one hand, but on the other, what happened was it, they were calling for highly qualified teachers. And what happened to our vocational teachers was that they they didn't have the credentials for No Child Left Behind. They didn't have the master's degrees. They didn't have the um, credential, the teaching credential. They were artisans. They were woodworkers and metal workers and uh, plumbers and car mechanics. And so as they, uh, they, they attritioned out of the public school system, they were not replaced. So as part of, I was part of Hillary Clinton's Disability Employment Task Force team in 2016, and I'm part of the DNC, the new one, uh, for housing and employment. But being on Hillary's team, Hillary began to talk about, as a result of me getting a position paper to her saying, look, we've got to bring back vocational centers. We have to teach these individuals, all of these kids, even the kids we're losing to the gangs. We could lower our prison numbers, keep the kids in school, teach them a vocational skill, teach them a trade, teach them something that equates to a paycheck. Um, and she started talking about it. I want to bring back vocational centers across the country. So uh, my big agenda is middle school and high school vocational centers for for all the kids, not just individuals with disabilities, but for all the kids that, that are not going to go an academic route. And that way we teach a skill set and the, and, and, and the student graduates knowing how to do something. That's a great point, Joanne. Uh, and I do rem- remember way back when, when the basic real-world skill sets were taught in schools. And you could take home economics, and you could take shop, and you could take, um, you know, metalworking, and you could take all of these things that, uh, because of budget cuts and whatever, are no longer available. So I I really do heartily agree with you on that. Um, What is your opinion in terms of what, the future looks like for individuals with autism and related disorders, and how can we help get these young people on the right track? Well, I think it's a good question. I think I think we've come a long way. I don't know if you remember, but I did Temple Grandin and Friends down at the club uh, Nokia downtown uh, in 2015. That was like a kickoff for Autism Works Now, the program that I developed with my partner, Susan Osborne, and we're in our fifth year now. We start we start up our fall session tomorrow, and that was relative. That time we were relatively kind of new out of the starting gate. Um, Microsoft was talking about employing individuals with autism, but we knew that they were really looking at those um, those individuals who were going to like come in and make a change, kind of like a Temple Grandin, um, very high functioning individuals, if you will but not addressing our where our core population is which falls in the middle you know of a bell curve where most of our our individuals are falling into a mild to moderate moderate to severe category not a genius or exceptionally gifted area so microsoft was on it about that and they've done a good job of employing um those individuals 
but you know i'm addressing and i think we all have to look at what are how are we going to serve these individuals that aren't going to fall into that category and are we are we really leaving them with 60 years of nothing because joe mantegna is a good good friend of my charity and when he speaks he always talks about and he talks from personal personal point of view his daughter's 32 years old now and has autism and he says we're giving them 60 years of nothing you know it's just not good enough and it's not good enough for a country like ours but it's an education piece we need more lunch and learns we need more people getting out there and doing 45 and 50 minute hey this is what you can expect when you hire an individual with autism in your workplace you know so don't you know don't get your your feathers ruffled it's all good they're going to probably show up on time, uh, stay with the company, do their job, and um, and go home. Maybe not be as social as a neurotypical group of people would want them to be, but nonetheless do their job, you know, do their work. So that's the kind of message I think is as important for us to be to be getting out there and educating the population on. Because you know, even though we're, I guess. 30 years out from Rain Man, if you will, and Dustin Hoffman playing uh, a, a, a person with autism um, with many gifts, as we know. Uh, many people, if they don't have a child or a nephew or a grandchild or someone in their immediate family with autism and they're not, they're not engaging with autistic individuals, they think Rain Man. And... Um, and that's a stereotypical uh, idea of autism, as we both know. So it's really about education. And I think we've come a long way to address the question. I think we've come a long way in the last even five years. But we still have a high unemployment rate, and the highest in the disability area is, is the autistic area. So I think we have to begin to address this because we have 50,000 individuals with autism who are graduating from high school every year in this country. That's true. And if you look at some of the uh, current statistics, um, it's saying I think the latest ratio is something like 1 in 39 or 1 in 40 young people are now being diagnosed as somewhere on the spectrum or having some sort of uh, learning disability or special need. And the the need for this kind of opportunity for our young people is only going to increase. So uh, on that note, can you describe for me some of the services and resources that your organization makes available for these young people? Absolutely. Well, we have Autism Works now, and that's our, our year-long fall to end of uh, May, once a week, two-hour meeting. And that's where we address the pre-employment skills to jobs training. We work from a book that we wrote called Teaching Pre-Employment Skills, the Autism Works Now Method, and we have 28 lesson plans. So we're working off of the book and the lesson plans, and the students also have a binder with all the lesson plans, and they're attending class on Thursdays for two hours, and they're getting that that information that I have to say, sadly, they didn't get when they were in the public school system because we're 18 and over. That is the Autism Works Now program. So we're addressing what is your dream job? I mean, what, how do you even go about 
research, researching that. How do you get in, ch- in touch with somebody in HR? How do you get seen? Do you have a resume? What is your resume? Should it, how, what should it look like? Many times kids will come in and they'll have, like, you know, they'll write everything they've ever done. It's like a five-page resume. We're like, no, one page. And it needs to have these highlighted words, which is HR, what HR is looking for, um, because they don't know you. And most most times now, in order to submit your resume, you see, you don't call up on the phone anymore like you did 20, 15, 10, even 10 years ago to get a, an interview. You submit online. So you need to have the computer skills in order to have your, me- your resume in Word so that you can upload it. So we're teaching all that. We use Google Docs. We, everyone has a Chromebook. It's all technology-driven. Autism works now. We're teaching the skill set that we believe that they're not getting. You cannot not have an email and have a job. You just can't. That's how, that's how you're going to get information that you have an interview, that they want you to come back in for another interview. That's how you thank them for the interview. We teach how to, what to do post-interview. Even if you think you didn't get the job, you still need to write that thank you note. How do you do that? You don't call them up on the phone because typically they don't want to hear that. They'd like to get an email that, said thank, that says thank you very much uh, for the interview, and I, you know, I look forward to hearing from you. Bam, and the name. So those are the skill sets that we're teaching. Also, how to get along with your coworkers. Who do you go to when you have an issue? Should you should you um, uh, uh, indicate that you have a disability on an on your uh, application? You see, whether or not to disclose or not disclose is a big issue for people on the spectrum, because if they if you do disclose meaning you check the box that says I have a cognitive disability, that it doesn't say autism per se, but it indicates that you you know, you have a cognitive disability and you check that box, then you're covered by the Americans with Disabilities Act. If there's an issue, um, you're you're covered under the umbrella of the ADA. If you don't and the issue some issue arises and it comes out that you have a disability and you didn't disclose. I've had people tell me that are on the spectrum that they were fired on the spot, where a supervisor said, you didn't tell us. You know, so it's a touchy thing still with disclosing and non-disclosure for our uh, candidates that are, that are looking at, um, like those Microsoft jobs and the bank, banking. A lot of our kids, as you know, are, are numbers kids. So they're great with, you know, banking and numbers and coding. Coding's a you know a whole new uh, a job skill set. Medical coding. So these are all places to investigate. And if if the shoe fits, then we encourage the individuals in the Autism Works Now program, and we help them and take them by the hand to get to that interview. And we also do interview uh, interviewing process in the class where we video and then we immediately show back the video of the interview so they get to see themselves interviewing which is very important because i mean for all of us that's a that you know that's a skill set we could all we can all work with but many times our our guys will not shake the hand and the hand is extended um maybe they're pulling on their hair or an earring or things that they didn't know they're doing um those are important. Those are important things to know about yourself because you want to like correct that. So 
that's what we do in the program. I know I'm, I'm, I'm going on and on, but I wanted you to know, you know, all the issues that we are addressing that you and I would say, oh, well, that's, you know, we got that. But these kids haven't had the, the education and the curriculum that teaches them about those things. So they don't do well in interview processes. They're not. They don't stand up to their peers. When 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 they go in and a peer goes in, the peer gets the job. So, right, because this isn't necessarily something that's second nature to them. It, right. Exactly. Right. Then we develop the Glorious Pies, which is the catering company where they work. So they're employed. They get a paycheck. We're on payroll with ADP. They get a paycheck. They get taxes taken out. They get a real check. I want them, instead of direct deposit, I want them to get a real check. They get a real check. They sign the back. They take it to the bank. They have an ATM card. And for many of my candidates, that's the first time they'd ever seen a check with their name on it. Hmm. So if an individual wants to participate in your program, how do they pay for it? Uh, do you offer scholarships? Do you work with, I know you're in California, so uh, do you work with the regional centers? But then what if someone is out of the area uh, where you happen to be located, or what if they're even in another state? Uh, can can people reach out to you? Can you give them referrals? How how does all that work? Well, that's a good question, too. Out of state, you know, many times, you know, I get emails, like, daily from people that, that want to know where can they find a program like this in their state. Well, they can't. That's the issue. You know, there's not a lot of these programs. Um, a lot of times the regional centers, but, you know, regional centers are not in every state in this country. They're, it's a state-by-state state thing. So many our regional centers in California, here's what I say. There's, we're, there's no better country, there's no country doing it better than we do here in the U.S., and there's no better state doing it better than California. We've got all the resources. We've got the regional centers. Parents can get the support. They can get the help. They can get it paid for. We are not vendored, but just today I was talking with um, someone who was at Lannerman Regional Center, uh, one of the case managers, and she had called me about the program. She wanted to know a lot more about the program because one of her uh, consumers wanted to do the program. And she okayed it, so they'll reimburse her. So you know the Lannerman Act passed, so that there's more of that coming down the pike. Um, and with self determination, also that's going to make a big difference. And all, yes. So in two years, I would venture to say most people will be able to, especially the the employment and the pre-employment skill um, classes and coursework. Uh, they're going to get it paid for. The regional centers. They're, they're going to have to pay for it. State's going to have to pay for it. Um, and they're already seeing that they need that because they're seeing that these kids do go to the jobs and the attrition rate is great. They don't stay long. A lot of times they, uh, you know, they'll stay for a couple of weeks, and then what will happen is their coworkers are like, you know, how come he ate my lunch in the, ref- <laughs> in the refrigerator? How come he doesn't go out to lunch with us? Or how come she doesn't want to come to any of the parties? Or she never smiles or, you know, all that. And the pressure is really great for the for these guys, and they don't feel welcome, and they're they don't feel like they're in the fold, and they quit. So I think the state is realizing, state of California is realizing that we need to do we need to do a better job of training not only the individuals in the job uh, workplace, 
but also the businesses themselves. And we are, you know, we're starting to do more of that, educating uh, the businesses and the organizations. Tends to be that the large, larger organizations like the Home Depots and like the Walmarts do hire our uh, our guys because they get a, a tax credit. And this, but but the job itself is not a job that you would want to do. It's not. I mean, would you want to stand at the front of Walmart and, and and say hello to people coming in? And you have autism? It's like that's not even in your wheelhouse, you know? It's like you, you, you have a social skill deficit and you're a greeter. What's wrong with the picture? You know, and you haven't been trained. So, uh, or, you know, no one's – so that's – it's all kind of crazy is what I'm saying. You know, it's like we, we have to do a better job and get better at all this. But we are uh, making uh, efforts to get the middle, middle, mid-sized organizations and smaller organizations uh, and businesses to get on board with employment for individuals with disabilities. Now, I say, I believe that until the federal government begins to require a little box that you tick, when you get federal money, when you're allocated federal money, like Boeing and all the other big uh, organizations that where federal money is, is funneled through, until there's a box that says, how many people with disabilities do you employ, and that it's mandatory in order to get that $9 billion Boeing grant, then we're spinning our wheels. We need Washington. We have so many things to do in Washington in order to change the employment landscape and that's one of them if if they would add and you know, it, now they have how many women do you have how many men, uh, uh, ethnic in, in, in these ethnic groups how many women have their own businesses all those questions but not one little box that says how many people with disabilities do you employ mm-hmm. and that's very a, good that's point. easy it's a no-brainer Make make it mandatory that three percent, five percent, ten percent of of your employees have a disability in order to get that nine billion dollar grant. So you know it's things that it seem like as I say them they're so logical and they're like well sh- yeah of course not the way it works no it's not it, people with disabilities get the raw end of the stick time and time again. I mean, we finally we passed Americans with Disabilities Act over 27 years ago, and we're still looking at 90% unemployment with people with disabilities. So I think we have to go. Hmm, did we really achieve what we were what we were after? I mean, it was a definitely a step in the right direction. Thank God for uh, ADA. Oh. Yeah, but there's still a lot of work to yeah. do. That is for sure, for that sure, Joanne. Yep. Well, tell me, what is the best way for our listeners to reach out to you directly if they have questions or they want to know more? They can. Well, they can always email me, uh, JoLara333 at gmail.com. They can, can you go spell to, that? Huh? Can you please spell that so people... Oh, sorry, yes. Yeah. J-O-L-A-R-A-333 at gmail.com. Or they can go to the AutismWorksNow.org website. And that would be um, all spelled out, AutismWorksNow, 
dot com or dot org. I'm no, sorry. dot org. We're not dot org. Autism works now. Dot org. Okay. We're a five hundred one c three. We're a nonprofit. All right. Very good. And is there anything else that you would like to add at this point that we haven't covered? I'd like to talk about the work program because I didn't realize how life changing it would be for some of these older. Uh, these older candidates, we call them candidates in autism works now, these 24- and 25-year-old kids who, you know, have been out of school, either graduated with a diploma. I, we have people in our program that have degrees from Cal State Northridge and can't get a job. I have two individuals with degrees, and then I have three kids that are going to Pierce. So they're in, you know, they're in the university system, and some of them actually have the degrees and are not able to get the jobs. But I wasn't, I wasn't ready for the, the, the change in the personality in the person, and that's the thing that's so important. You know, dignity is so important for all of us. And to have a job that you want to do and that you feel you can do with dignity is important. So we need to be asking these individuals what they want to do instead of trying to manipulate them and move them into to job settings that that just don't serve them. We've been doing that since the 50s, and that's what sheltered workshops are. I'm sure you're aware of sheltered workshops and sub-minimum wage, and California is still a big offender in both of these areas. Sheltered workshops are or when organizations don't pay the individual to come and work, or they pay them, you know, $5 a day, or, you know, which is... which is um, Slave labor? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exploitation. Yeah. So that's a word that comes up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, now, that's what Obama tried to do away with, with um, before he left office. And he, many of the states, he was, he, he was successful in doing away with subminimum wage and sheltered workshops. And when I was on Hillary's team, we were, uh, we were um, briefing her and giving her stats for Ohio and some of the battleground states at the very end of the campaign. And, you know, she'd want to know stats, and we'd, we'd all quickly go and get them for her. Um, but she was using the term sheltered workshop, and I said, got to get this message to her. Um, stop with the sheltered workshop because it sounds all ooey-gooey and great, but it's not. <laughs> it's basically a group of 100 people in a big old warehouse uh, sorting candy for Nestle's, you know, throwing, you know, uh, Christmas candy, Valentine's candy, and Easter candy in big barrels. Um, so she didn't know, you know, and so she stopped. It was, you know, it was, thank you. Stop with the with the sheltered workshops because that's what Obama was trying to get rid of was and he did a as I say he did a good job of of doing away in a lot of states but not California we have a lot of sheltered workshops still in California and sub minimum wage so all all things to think about what does the individual want listening to the individual what does he want to do if he wants to be a car mechanic great then we have to figure out where he's going to go to school to learn that does he have the qualifications to be a car mechanic and if not then maybe he works in a um in an auto mechanic store and he's not the mechanic 
I think it's also important that we're truthful about where our individuals who are artistic, uh, artistic, what kind of job can they do, and what's realistic. You know, ten years ago, kids would be going, "Oh, I love film. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna make movies," and everybody go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Well, no, you're not. You know, people that go to USC and UCLA film school can't make movies. You know, you're not going to be making a movie. But you might be in one. You might be working on one. You could be a PA. You could work at Warner Brothers. Start to give the options that are truthful and realistic that will serve the individual. Well said, Joanne. Well, I want to thank you very, very much for taking the time to share some wonderful information with me today. Oh, it's my pleasure. The more people we can we can uh we can influence and the more people we can get the word out about how fantastic these kids are and how how they can do the job, then then everyone's going to everyone's going to be served. I also want to thank our listeners for spending a part of their day with us. I'm Gilda Evans reminding you to take care of yourself and that special person in your life.